Chapter Thirty One of The Road to Mandalay. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Marianne Hadley. The Road to Mandalay by Bithia Mary Croker. Chapter Thirty One Seeing is Believing. The recent enlightenment had given Sophie a painful shock. Thoughts troublesome and insistent buzzed about her all day long, and kept her awake at night. At first she had wept and abandoned herself to misery. Then she summoned her strength and will, and made plans, hoping that she would have the courage to carry them out. She resolved to invade her aunt's bedroom and discover the true state of affairs. During the last two or three days, Mrs. Krause had withdrawn into seclusion, being threatened with one of her so-called attacks. On these occasions, no one but Lily was permitted to cross the threshold of her apartment. Late in the following evening, when the house was quiet and the servants had departed to their go-downs, or the bazaar, and the missy was supposed to have retired, Sophie slipped on a dressing-gown and soft slippers and made her way into the ante-room, usually occupied in the daytime by her aunt, now dimly illuminated by one electric light. Before the door of the next apartment hung a heavy curtain which, when drawn aside, revealed a thick darkness, a peculiar odor, and the sound of rapid breathing. Sophie groped with her hand along the wall, found the switch, and the room and its contents were instantly revealed. A richly carved bedstead, a masterpiece of Burmese work, stood in the middle of the floor. At either side were small tables, one heaped with an untidy pile of books and magazines, on the other were bottles, glasses, and little boxes. In turning the switch Sophie had lit the bulb, which hung directly over Mrs. Krause's couch, and there, by its pitiless glare, she lay fully exposed sunken in a sleep resembling a swoon, her splendid black hair lying loose upon the pillows. She looked woefully old and shrunken. Her arms, displayed by an open-sleeved silk nightgown, were thin and strangely discolored. As Sophie stood surveying the scene, the bathroom door opened softly, and Lily stepped over the threshold. "'Oh, my missy, whatever are you doing here?' she exclaimed throwing up her hands. "'I am searching for the hypodermic syringe by which you reduce my aunt,' pointing to the bed, "'to this horrible condition. Come with me, Lily.' Leading the way to the outer room, "'I have something to say to you.' The ayah's face was almost green. She was shaking all over. But after a moment's hesitation she ultimately obeyed in sullen silence." "'I was not aware until two days ago,' resumed Sophie, "'that my aunt took drugs, and that you supplied them.' "'I don't know what the missy is talking about,' stammered Lily. "'Oh, yes, you understand, and Mr. Krause will understand. "'At present he has no idea of my aunt's real ailment. "'Missy going to tell him?' "'Well, if I am sent away to Madras, and the drug taken from the missus, she will soon die, you will see.' Lily's tone was more triumphant than regretful. 
"'She will die anyway,' rejoined Sophie, "'and it were better that she should die in her senses "'than a drugged victim to cocaine. "'How long has this been going on?' Two, three years, maybe four years.' Four years,' repeated Sophie incredulously. "'Yes, Mrs. Plenty sick. "'No sleep-getting. "'Doctor ordering small-dose sleep-mixture. "'Mrs. liking too much.' taking more and more and more. And you have her supplied. You get it from Washi? If not me, then some other woman. I plenty fond of Mrs., and I kept her secret. And no doubt she has paid you well. Yes, giving money. But too much trouble to get morphia and cocaine, and to keep people from talk. One or two times she took two big dose, and then nearly die. But Mrs. will have it all the same, die or no die. Well, now, if I promise you one thing, will you promise me another? I will not say a word to Mr. Krause, if you will agree to buy no more cocaine. I will promise not to give so much, but no more cocaine taking at all? Mrs. would shrivel up and go out like one bit of paper in a candle. I will do what I can, Missy. But Missus is always taking plenty. Two grains is nothing. I am astonished, said Sophie, that my aunt has never been suspected of taking drugs. Missy, you never suspect it yourself, and yet you have lived in same house for fifteen months. It is hard to keep it dark, but all the servants know... Of course, that is no matter, and as for the big mimsobs, they do not come here now. It seems so strange, said Sophie, that my aunt should have sunk into the state, all through one little dose of morphia. Well, you see, Missy, she was ill. It was in the rains. She was awfully melancholy and depressed, and she had not much to fill her mind. She did not sew or ride or make music like you do. Mr. Kraus was away. She was sick and lonely, and so she got the doctor's prescription made up over and over again. If she could have gone to Europe two years ago, she might have cured herself of taking the stuff. Two, three times she has begun to stop it, but it was no good. I have talked to her and given her wise words, and tried to help her, and cheat her, but she always found me out. So all I can do, or have done, is to stand between her and the other memsobs, and hide her trouble. The sound of light footsteps stealing across the veranda caused Lily to pause. Then she added under her breath, "'It is that Moti Aya, Missy. She very cunning.' same like little snake, and we had better go. I will keep my promise, though it will be plenty bother. I am glad that you know, for it will make business more easy for me now there is one less to hide it from. Thus the conspirators parted, Sophie having maintained from first to last her mastery of the situation. It was not long before Mrs. Krause became aware, more by instinct than actual knowledge, that her niece had discovered the real cause of her illness. One evening, as Sophie bent over to kiss her and say good-night, she took her hand in both of hers and, with tears trickling down her face, whispered, "'Sophie, darling, I've tried. 
it's no use. Whatever happens, keep it from him. And that was the sole occasion on which Aunt Flora ever alluded to her failing. End of chapter 31